0: Hello. Hello, and happy Tuesday. Today, on our Social Distance 2020 episode, uh, we've got a great interview with Tavio Henson. We had to get a hold of him via phone call. And today, we are going into the physical side of it to what we're dealing with right now with, with the COVID 19 crisis we have going on and the spiritual side of life and how we can handle it. we got some really, really good stuff today, Benny, and I can't wait to dive into it with Welcome you.
1: Welcome to the Coaching Minds Podcast helping you overcome obstacles so you can reach and achieve more. Here are your hosts, Ben and C. And joining us on the phone today is special guest, Tavio Henson. Tavio, thanks so much for chatting with us today.
2: Absolutely. Thank you for uh, having me. It's a privilege to be able to, to uh, talk to you and uh, share my experiences and, and whatever I can.
1: So let, let's start off with your career. Um, ended up at the University of Tennessee. Let, let's just talk. As a player, what, what were some of the things that you kind of took from the, the mental side of the game? Uh, well,
2: actually, the, the, that probably was the biggest piece from being a just an ordinary athlete to actually making it um, at a Division One level, all that in play. Pro, I had opportunities to, but didn't make it. But still the biggest thing for me was that uh, mental peace, meaning uh, in high school, uh, I actually didn't have that great of a career. I was played with a lot of injuries. And so my ninth grade year, I broke my wrist, had to sit out half the season. My 10th grade year, I had an ankle injury that was so bad. They even thought of uh, amputating my foot from right above the ankle just because of swelling, everything I had torn, they just thought there was no way that my foot was going to survive with the way it looked. And so thankfully, by miracle, um, that didn't happen. Um, And so I was able to get back to playing the following year. But my junior year, I had uh, bad ankle issues that kept me out for five games. And then my senior year, um, I had a deep thigh bruise that kept me out for four weeks. And so that was pretty much my high school career. There, but because of my upbringing and because of the environment I was growing up in, that was you know uh, heavily populated with drugs and and uh, shooting and crime and that sort of thing. My goal was to get out of that environment, and but with those injuries, what had happened, what I had to fight um, was just a fear of injury and a fear of failure. Sure, and those things had a tr- tremendous effect on me on my psyche. Each and every year, and so after my senior year, I did not have any accolades or anything as far as for football, but for track, I did well at track and ended up at the University of Tennessee um, to run track. But I decided to turn that money down and walk on to uh, the football team, and so I got there in September. Uh, I did my running test to make the team, and then by God's grace, they put me on full scholarship. Thanksgiving morning. Of my freshman year, and um, and so, the difference and what happened mentally for me was that I began to be more grateful. Uh, I began to use certain uh, skill sets that they gave me at the University of Tennessee, as far as positive self-talk, visualization, all those things helped me as a player to go on the field and not um, focus on the bad experiences I had in my past, focus on the injuries focus on the failures Um, I was able to put all that aside and be fine with that and then begin to focus on the positive hey I have a great opportunity here what am I going to do with this opportunity Um, hey no I am a fighter I'm not a coward I'm not someone who's going to shrink back but I'm going to come out here every day and fight and so to have those uh, those avenues where I was able to use those skills of positive self-talk visualization visualizing, thinking through success as opposed to thinking through how am I going to fail today? Um, Because before, that's pretty much all I thought of, and it was stifling at times. So um, to visualize those things that I want to happen, you begin to believe that. It begins to help you mentally, help you mentally get prepared, um, help you go out there with excitement, become a player that I wanted to be.
1: We're, We're talking late 80s, early 90s here, Correct. Yeah. And so um, I graduated high school in, in
2: 1988. And so this was, I got to school there fall of, um, 88.
1: Yeah. I, I wouldn't say that's necessarily in a time where everybody had access to these types of tools, but you know, being down there right. and having access to those tools, you saw firsthand. Wow. These are, these are incredibly powerful. T- talk a little bit about after you continued on after college, how, how did you carry those things on with you?
2: Absolutely. So in after college, um, you know, trying to, to make it in the NFL and and make a team, um, I still had those same kind of habits and the habits of, OK, I want to visualize what I want to do, what I want to accomplish. Um, and what really happened uh, been in that is the more I did those things, the more mentally tough I became. I think one of the biggest things that, that sometimes athletes miss or people miss in general is that when you do use visualization, use positive self-talk, use all those things and you are being positive, it actually strengthens your mental resolve unlike anything else. And so by the time I got um, out of college, there was nothing that I couldn't do. And so being in these camps and going through my pro days and, and getting tryouts and Although it didn't work out, I came away from that tougher mentally, grateful for my experiences, um, and just really more joyous and happy because of the attitude I had going into it. And uh, for some reason, my, you know, just from that, developing those habits over those four years, five or six years, um, solidified something deep in my heart and in my soul, I believe that it's, I just can't get away from that now. Um, everything I do, um, I do with my whole heart. There's not fear there, there's not a fear of failure, there's not you know any of those negative emotions that would hinder me from being the best I can be at, at, at what I do. And I think that's the biggest thing. When you develop the habit of positive self-talk, you develop the habit of visualization, all the mental training and things that you're doing then, That they didn't have back then, but we have now when you're spearheading this, if they could take it and apply it in every area of their life, I'm telling you, at some point, it solidifies and sets your mind in a type of mental framework that um, everything else revolves around that, that it's just just there. It doesn't leave. It can't be... uh, broken down um if that makes
1: sense absolutely i I love that and i love how you talked about you know it was it was something that you had to work at and it was something that you built up and that you trained you know just no different than physically if you want to see physical change in your body it's not just you can't just walk into the weight room and throw up a couple reps on the bench you're going to have to consistently put in time and put in the work um and and then eventually you will see unbelievable results talk to us a little bit about then what did uh, career-wise, when did you kind of shift over from football to your job?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, after, um, you know, I had a little bit of playing arena football and a little bit in the CFL, and then I came back to the University of Tennessee uh, to start doing I uh, worked with Bruno Pilato there, my strength coach there, uh, in a the weight room there in a volunteer basis, and um, he hired me out to do a few things uh, where I was making some money, but also, um, in the meantime, um, I was still trying to figure out exactly what I wanted to do, and so I got involved with the ministry um, that I was working with, and that was uh, reaching out to uh, college and pro athletes. And so I did that and did training kind of on the side. I did both of those things together, um, and it just—it just was what you know. As I started to do it, I found that that was really my heart uh, was to uh, minister. And to uh, help college and pro athletes on every scale. and um, and that meant on the spiritual side of things, emotionally, um, you know, as well as physically. Um, I believe that uh, what I was called to do was help uh, players and help athletes in all three aspects of their lives, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. sure. and um, and so begin to do that and de- and from nineteen 1990- ninety, uh, four to uh, 1997, was state was there in um, uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, helping out with the team there and helping out with some of the other college teams uh, there as well. And then me and my wife moved to Austin, Texas, in '97, and continued to do the same thing. I was, I was, I had a role in the church as well as doing stuff on a college campus at the University of Texas, and again trying to get, build all three of these areas of in athletes. And, uh, and so that's kind of how I got started. I was there in Austin, Texas, doing that for the next five years. And then uh, me and my wife moved to Houston, Texas. I was a volunteer chaplain for the Houston Texans their inaugural year as an NFL team. And then also I was volunteering and doing some stuff um, with their strength conditioning coach as well. And so doing a lot of the same things, but kind of instilling in the players a, a belief system in themselves, um, how you get through some of these mentally challenging things on the level that you're at, I mean, all the things you have to deal with, and spiritually, how how uh, helping them grow spiritually as well. From there, we moved to Arizona, was there for a year, doing the same thing there, working with a lot of players from the Arizona Cardinals, a lot of pro baseball players. Um, and really again, helping in the mentoring aspect in their lives in all three of these these areas. And then in two thousand four, Um, we had been doing a Bible study uh, with a number of the Colts players way back in 1997 and so they had planted a church up here and I was flying back and forth to meet with some of the players and their wives and on a spiritual level and um, emotionally. 2004, four of the Colts players um, pretty much moved us up here um, to Indiana to help them um, you know, as far as spiritually, emotionally, and then to help them even start some things in the inner city as far as non for profits and things like that to help kids along these same lines. And so we've kind of been here, you know, obviously been here ever since.
1: You've obviously had experience with all kinds of different levels, all the way up from working with, working with youngsters all the way up to NFL guys. What, what are some of the, the biggest things that you see that carry over between all levels that players really have to learn how to deal with?
2: Mm-hmm. um on all levels from little league to you know middle school high school college and pro they have to deal with from an emotional standpoint how do i take everything i have and maximize who i am and become the best player that i can possibly be and the anxiety and the fears and all those things that come along with that on every level because there's a new challenge for every level and um and so if these principles are not in place, the mental training aspect, how do I deal with the emotions of fear, anxiety, fear of failure, fear of making a mistake? All those emotions I've seen on every level um, of the ball game. And so um, how can we uh, coach kids? How can we, um, you know, help athletes? to get to that place where no matter what the challenge is, they don't back down and they have the mindset that they can go in, they can conquer, they can overcome, they can be winners. I've known pro athletes who have been completely physically capable of being amazing, but mentally they weren't there. They weren't ready to fight Um, college wise, you know, high school, little league, all those levels. um, They were prepared physically, but mentally they were not prepared for the fight.
1: So even if they don't necessarily need some of those mental skills at the level that they're at, because, I mean, let's just say, for example, they're they're better than everyone else they're competing against, so that they're not fearful of failure, it's still important to develop those at the younger levels so that as they move up, like you talked about, the challenges are going to get greater as they get to that next level. Yes.
2: Yes, and if they have those things implemented already, the transition into that next challenge is not is not as challenging and is not as difficult. People who make the transition from JV to varsity, sometimes it takes them a little while to get accustomed. A lot of times, that's not the physical aspect; that's the mental aspect. For me, I know going from college as playing at SEC school with Division One level, um, you think that's the top, the cream of the crop. But then, when you start trying out for that next level NFL, the challenges are even greater. And uh, so if I didn't have those things in my own heart and and mind, it would have been even tougher um, to get through that. I mean, I've watched guys walk out of a camp or not come to practice because they just can't do it mentally. Sure. And uh, the transition is too difficult. So, yes.
1: So tell us just a little bit about, you know, that that took us up to you moved your family up here um, to Indy. Get us caught up to let's not quite jump into this coronavirus craziness yet um, of the past Mm -hmm. the past month. But just kind of kind of get us caught up to there.
2: Sure. Um, So we got here in 2004. I was um, on staff with the church here um, in the city that some of the players had helped uh, build and um, and help get started and so I was on staff there And I, my primary role was um, the counseling aspect pro and college athletes but also just in the church um, in general that was my role um, and so uh, we were there from 2004 to 2010 um, in 2010 I decided to step out of um, working in the church setting and I really wanted to do more, start to get more into the physical side of things, and uh, I knew at some point that was going to be um, my heart uh, that was going to be my primary not letting go of the other two aspects but the physical and the strength strength training being my uh, primary uh, responsibility and so uh, so I started working um, at IU health sports performance uh, there in Carmel, and that again was more strength training for college, high school, and pro athletes on all levels. And I uh, was there for a good period of time and as well on the side was working um, at L.A. Fitness there. Um, I, I wanted to be have a broad uh, range of people I worked with um, so that I could understand how to work with someone who's not an athlete and someone who um, is on the high uh, you know, echelon of, of um, pro athletics. Um, as well as working with special populations. You know, um, I did a lot of training um, at IU Health as well with uh, cancer patients, diabetic patients, uh, things like that, that helped make me a more rounded person and make me more knowledgeable of the human body, um, the the mental aspect of things to help me become a better strength conditioning coach overall. Um, And then uh, Coach Gilbert had been approaching me. We had lived – right around the corner from each other when he, when he had first got here and he had approached me about, you know, possibly taking a job at, at Westfield. Um, and initially I couldn't take it just because financially I, w- I wouldn't be able to do it. Wasn't going to be able to do it. And, um, and so I kept working where I was working and, um, and then it came down to where, um, some people had were talking to me about a possibility with the Cincinnati Bengals, um, being an assistant strength coach there. Um, and then, at the same time Gilbert had come back to me about um uh, working at, at Westfield High School. I felt that I was supposed to be um uh, at Westfield High School working there. Um I just felt called to be um uh, to be there. My kids were gonna be coming through there as well. And so it, it helped me to um you know be there for them. Um and but so I took the job and um and I've been there ever since. This is my uh, sixth year, um, uh, finished up my sixth year um, at uh, Westville High School, and it's just been a joy uh, to work with the kids. Um, uh, you know, just a, a positive thing for me to help kids grow really in all three aspects of their lives, but especially in the physical aspect of it and being prepared um, on that field or whatever uh, sport that they play.
1: I, I remember when when you got hired at Westfield, and I heard a little bit about your experience and your resume, I remember thinking, "Why in the world is this guy coming to Westfield High School? How in the world are we are we lucky enough to get somebody like this?" Having having been around not only you but also the athletes that you've worked with and seen the impact that you've had on their lives, who they are as young men, who they are as young women, you know the the small kind of fearful people that they come in as as freshmen and these. You know these stronger but physically emotionally mentally spiritually men and women that they leave our school as has been absolutely incredible and there's there's no doubt in my mind that that calling was absolutely right and and god has certainly made a a huge impact with you where you're at right now talk to us just a little bit about it so so here you are you're now working primarily with high school athletes what what did you take from all that life experience that you've had? What was kind of the, what was the starting point when you were figuring out, all right, here's the most important things that we need to instill in these high school athletes?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, uh, first of all, it's, um, it's, it's such a critical time. But the biggest thing for me as a coach is how can I love them and care for them and nurture them in such a way that they really begin to see who they are and believe in who they are and believe in who they can become. Um, To me, that's a, that's a, a big first base. um, And that Uh, obviously the spiritual aspect is a big deal as well. But again, you can sum up how God wants us to live and how we walk by, how we love him, love ourselves and love one another. That is the framework in which I build everything that I do um, in the weight room talking to kids, all of those things. It's built on that framework of love and nurture them, loving them like I would love my own kids, um, and going from there. The way love works, it begins to give you eyes to see um, individually what people may need, uh, what kids may need in that moment, how to help them better. Um, It gets all of the selfishness out of me. The last thing I care about, um, is what kind of accolades I get from doing what I do. Now my, my care, my biggest heart um, is how can I make these kids bigger, better, stronger, faster, emotionally, um, uh, maturing? Um, how can I get them to a place of greatness um, in their own lives? And then that helps me notice, okay, a lot of kids you can't train or you can't you know, encourage or talk to the same way. Um, Some kids need to be encouraged a different way. And so if you're always walking with those eyes of love, you can see those things a little bit better. um, And that helps the whole program as a whole.
1: And along with that love, you know, is not just always that positive encouragement and that, Hey, it's okay, guys, you tried your best at, at times. If, if you're truly going to show love and you really care about someone and they're not doing things the right way, there's sometimes that there needs to be some tough love involved. There needs to be some discipline involved, obviously pushing guys, you know, to, to really achieve the things that you're going to be able to achieve, that you need to be able to achieve. You're going to have to go through those times where it's hard and it's difficult and it hurts and you don't think that you have any more and you need that push to get you through that. What, how do you, how do you kind of balance that and how do you kind of see that and identify when each kid needs that and how much they need?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I I don't, um, you know, everybody knows when they come in a weight room, there's an expectation that I have, um, of them, um, and what should be, you know, what they should be doing And um, what should they not be doing? And so um, I'm a real stickler on I'm not going to let you perform under your ability. If I see you performing less than that, uh, I usually call kids out on that. And it's not because I don't like a kid or I don't love the kids. It's because part of my job and how I love you is I refuse to let you be less than who you are. Um, I refuse to let you be average when you're not average. And so whenever I see that, if I see kids skipping sets or if I see kids playing around and not being um, about their business, um, yes, there is a, a, a strong side of the love to where they're exhorted, exhorted into being better. Um, you know, if someone is, is, is not getting the job done, I say, listen, you're better than this. You know you're better than this. So I need you to be who you know you are. I need you to act like the person that you are and not, you know, as Coach Gilbert says, you know, walk below this line. You're better than this. And so every time I see that, um, I don't let kids rest. I want them to stay at this standard because this is who they are and this is what they can be.
1: Absolutely. And when that's done the right way and when that's done in love. You'll notice that and that then you can see it and you can see when kids come back that are have been off to college or even graduated from college and now they're they're in the working world when they come back and they see you and their eyes light up because they're excited to see you. I mean, that, that, that says it all. So let's kind of move into now this new normal. So obviously we've got athletes that are listening who aren't in the weight room doing what they wanted to be doing. We've got athletes listening who the end of their senior season or their entire senior season for spring sports has kind of been taken away. And now they they're moving on some of them to getting ready for college. And we've, you know, all these, and, and we've also got coaches who were not with our guys. We're not loving on our guys in the weight room. We're not doing workouts. We can't be, you know, doing spring practices and things like that. What advice do you have kind of moving into this new normal for how we can still love kids and push them to be at their best?
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I, I just know for me personally, one of the biggest things I think that we can do as individuals and as players and athletes, as people, is just, you know, have a time of self-reflection and self-examination. And so for me, um, you know, those three areas, spiritually, emotionally, and physically, number one for me spiritually, you know, I'm asking myself the question, where am I at in this in this quiet time when where some of the, you know, the the life, busyness is not there and we're slowing down, you know, I can, you can kind of ask yourself questions, uh, you know, a little bit better uh, um, in this time. So I'm asking myself, where am I in my relationship with God? You know, where am I? Is it growing? Has it taken a back seat? Is it first place? Uh, Where am I at in that, in my relationship with God? And then, you know, um, I'm challenging myself. Okay, I want to grow relationship with God so the challenge for myself um, has been I'm gonna read through the whole Bible in a month and um, and that was my challenge to myself that was my goal to grow spiritually and to grow my relationship with God and so it's been uh, three weeks and so I've read through the Bible already once and I'm gonna go back through again and try to get back through uh, through the whole Bible again um, in the next month and so that's been my challenge, now, I can't tell you from that, Ben, how that's helped me mentally. That's helped me, um, you know, as far as everything that's going on, have a great peace um, about everything. And then, you know, how um, can I be better um, spiritually um, and, and how it relates to other people? Well, one of the biggest things I've been doing on a regular basis is praying for um, the coaches, praying for um, their families, praying for uh, the teams, all the players and and you know I have a uh, my rosters from um, from my class and um and so what I'm doing now is going down the rosters of the classes and just praying for kids specifically, praying transformed by name and 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 uh, and so that's how um spiritually um, you know we can challenge ourselves in that way and the other thing I've asked myself is if we never went back to sports, which, again, I hope obviously that won't be the case. Um, could I be completely content in who I am as a person and in my relationship with God? Would that be enough? And if the answer is no, it wouldn't be, um, then I have some misplaced desires that need to change. Um, in other words, if I'm getting all of my identity in who I am as an athlete, who I am as a coach, uh, my performance and my sport, then I've missed it completely. Um, because once and once, you know, sports is over with. Um, I've known pro athletes and people who couldn't cope after it was over with because their whole identity and who they are as a person was wrapped up in their sport, as opposed to who God created them to be. Um, and so, so all of that is. I think we can all do that as people and as athletes. Is to have that. Ask ourselves those questions spiritually, um, and I think that's where everything starts, uh, in my opinion. And then on the emotional level, uh, asking myself the question again with everything that's going on, um, and all the uh, negative emotions uh, that can come from it. Um, you know, how can we challenge ourselves as athletes? to not fall prey to the negative attitudes um the anxiety the the, the sense of losing control and the hopelessness um, the fear all those things the anger all those things that can kind of spring up um, in a season like this with everything going on with the the virus and the things going on in our country um how can we not fall prey to these things and i think uh, the answer number one is our, where our mindset is but two understanding what all these things these negative emotions can do to us you know doctors are talking about um making sure your immune system stays healthy and and all of these things well um, we all understand that um you know negative attitudes feelings of anxiety you know hopelessness all those things fear upset body hormone balance deplete the brain chemicals required for happiness you know, and it damages the immune system greatly. Um, fear weakens the immune system, you know, it can cause cardiovascular disease, gastrointestinal problems, um, accelerated aging. So all these things, these negative emotions, have a profound effect on our physical body um that keeps us from being able to fight disease in the right way. I mean, you know, the Harvard study that, you know, I think everybody knows about anger, you know, well, uh outburst of anger a five minute outburst of anger or just rehearsing an angry experience causes a six hour dip in our immune system and especially in certain antibodies that this, that are the cell's first line of defense against infection. And so um what how do we combat all these things going on in our lives, the loss of you know being the loss of losing our senior year some of these so many uh, players and students. Um, losing the season and not being able to play, and not being able to see each other. Um, I think one of the biggest things is having an attitude of thankfulness and an attitude of gratitude. Um, again, uh, there's a different thing that happens in our emotions, um, in our physical body, when we just have an attitude of thankfulness. And so now, although things are not the same, and some of my friends are struggling and going through um you know this sickness um things are just not the same and it's normal to have a certain emotional surge of all these different kind of negative emotions but the way i believe that we can counterbalance that um is having an attitude of thankfulness um you know again studies been and you know this shows that gratitude being thankful improves your you know immunity Right. Um, reduces stress, stress hormones of, of cortisol, lowers blood pressure, improves your, improves your self-esteem, you, know, you sleep better.
1: The, the part of your brain that's responsible for feeling gratitude and processing gratitude, it can't be active at the same time as those stressful areas of the brain.
2: Absolutely. And so that is the thing that, um, you know, it, it helps reduce that, you know, depression. You know, even a study they did, uh, you know, with the Vietnam or vets who um, you know overcome these traumatic experiences that they went through um, those who practice that that attitude of being thankful had significantly lower levels of PTSD than those who didn't yeah and um, so for the fact of so if we can learn to be grateful and thankful um, in this process um, that will help us emotionally stay sound It'll help us mentally fight off and and thwart, you know, depression and things like that um, in a greater way. And so my challenge has been every morning, the first thing that comes out of my mouth is going to be five things that I'm thankful for. Here are the things I'm thankful for today. God, thank you. Um, You know, I have food. I have, you know, a roof over my head. Um, I have clothes. I have family. We're healthy. So I start the day off with that. And I constantly, throughout the day, just find things to be thankful for and grateful for. I think that's important um, in this season of time for everybody across the board, athletes and people in, in general.
1: Absolutely. That, that's so powerful. Appreciate you sharing that. Coach, as we, uh, we kind of wrap things up, there's always two questions that I, that I finish up with. Um, and the first mm-hmm. one is, knowing what you know now, what would you tell a younger version of you? We're talking like my, my son Hunter's three and a half years old. What, what would you tell three and a half year old Tavio?
2: Mm, that's, a, that's a hard, a hard question um, because there would be so many things I would, I would want to say. Yeah. Um, but I think one of the biggest things that I would say is continue to be coachable and teachable and walk in humility. If kids can do that, um, they will continue to grow, they will continue to get better, um, and they'll be um, great people and, um, and great athletes, you know, with that, I believe. And so there's a lot that, you know, can be said about what all that means, but I just look at certain people and look at myself, um, the things that really helped me. I paid attention to what people were saying. I paid attention to what my coaches were saying, the Mm -hmm. people that were in my life that I trusted. I listened to those things and put those things into practice. And then the other thing I I would think would be a big thing, and it just depends on where people are and what they believe, is that uh, I wish I had started serving God sooner in my life. And I didn't come into my relationship with God until I got to the University of Tennessee. Um, really come into that relationship with him. And so if I if I could say anything to kids, put God first, um, the best way you know how, um, and then be teachable, be humble, um, and uh, that would be what I'd tell myself.
1: And then last question, what advice would you give a, a first-year coach who's just out of college and just kind of getting his feet wet?
2: I would say slow is fast, and I would say – Get don't come in and try to do everything at at one time um learn how to build step by step by step by step um until you get to you know where you feel like the program needs to be or where you feel like your athletes need to be um um, as a whole and um and then as well you know coaches coming in it's just important to Um, I love how we do things at Westfield. It's important to continue to grow, remain teachable, remain coachable, um, glean as much as you can of those who are more experienced than you are, been doing it longer, um, glean as much as you can. Um, And that for me has been, that's really helped me continue to grow. Um, I'm always finding people who are better than me at what I do and gleaning from them and learning from them. That helps me uh, keep growing um and my ability to coach
1: coach henson thank you so much for joining us today thanks for the the impact that you're making on the lives of of student athletes and for for the example that you set. it's it's been a pleasure
2: well i appreciate it so much Ben. thank you so much for the opportunity
0: wow that was an awesome interview ben and i think uh just all the people that he has touched just coaching up people, man, what a blessing those, those people are. And I know that they are fr- very, very happy to work with him.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you heard his heart for people, um, and just the love that he has pours that into him. Yeah, that,
0: that's, uh, I mean, that, that was what stuck out to me the most is just, it all boils down to one simple thing with him and it's love. Uh, and that's where it all starts out, no matter what aspect of life it is. Uh, and he talks about that. And we're going to dive into it. Let's let's get to the first couple of things here. Um, We talked about when you put the mental training tools to use, solidifies something in your mind that you can carry with you for the rest of your life. It's there, it doesn't leave, and it can be broken down. That was something that he had said. What do you think about that, Ben?
1: I just uh, well I like that he acknowledged there was some process to it it wasn't just something that he learned real quick it was something that he did over and over and over and over and then once he kind of built it up kind of like when we talked with Pepio you know a couple of weeks ago it was it went from just an external tool that he used to just mm-hmm. this is who I am and it was just it was part of him and it, like he said it's something he, he's carried with him the rest of his life.
0: Yeah, it, and you, I can think back to when we talked with Kaylen Henderson and her go-to statement. You know, the first couple of times you're saying it, you might not truly believe it, but then it just you got to you got to be persistent with it yep. and keep on going, and eventually, uh, it, it 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 can't be broken down. Like Tavio said, it's there. Let's go back to his college days and he was at the University of Tennessee. The stuff that we were talking about here, Ben, this is the stuff that they were doing back then. But back then, it was more so for the elite athlete. It was for the SEC right. football player.
1: Right. You know, like you said, it, it used to be for the elite. It started out with professional athletes, Olympic athletes division one athletes you know we're we're just trying to we're not inventing anything new we're taking those same tools that they were using and just trying to make them available to everybody you know i i just think this this goes along with the things that we've been talking about with the focus cycle he was talking about the importance of visualization you know what are the things that you're focusing on what are the things that you're seeing in your mind the self-talk are you being positive with yourself things like that obviously taking care of your body the physical side um just all great stuff
0: yeah, it was awesome. Very, very good stuff. I'm, I'm glad that he mentioned that and that stuff that he was using then and uh, continues to use today. What, another thing that he mentioned, uh, the importance of loving kids. You know, that's from the coaching aspect, or if it's, if it's a player, if you're listening to these athletes, loving your teammates, um, pushing one another, not, not accepting anything but your best.
1: I loved that quote that he used when he said, I refuse to let you be average. When you are not average, and he followed it up with, "I need you to act like the person you are." I yeah. I love and that, I,
0: and I, and I've seen that from him, and, and and you know what? It's even I feel like it's worn off on me. I've been in his weight room, uh, working out before, and I'll be the only person in there. And when I'm done, I I try to tidy things up and make it look look perfect because that's the expectation he has, um, and that's what he puts on all of our players but it's, but it's with your best in mind. We get into this time we have right now, uh, with this pandemic we have going on with our society. And he mentions about how it's a perfect time for self-examination. It's unlike any time we've had before and, and realistically been probably what we'll ever have, uh, would be my assumption. And yeah. so I thought what he had to say about this was great.
1: You remember the last football game that you played? I remember Absolutely. the last football game that I played. Like former athletes who are now older, um, can uh-huh. look back on that and know what it's like for it to be over, and it's unlike anything that you ever experience while you're playing. Today's athletes are kind of getting that right. Things have stopped, things have slowed down. You have some time away from it all to sort of stop and sit back and think and reflect on it that normally you don't you don't normally get until until it's all over using this time and making the most out of this time. And so what does my spiritual life look like? Is that something that's important to me? If it is, what am I going to do about it? And then the second part, how, how can I support others? You know, going through a list of all the kids on his roster, his class rosters and praying for them by name, how powerful, what a, what a selfless thing to do. And then the the third one that i just i loved how he phrased it the importance of not falling prey to the negative attitudes the fear the sense of losing control just all those things that spring up that will ultimately bring down our immune system
0: with this pandemic we have going on if i am filled with all the the negativity and fear that that's going on outside in this world and if I start buying into it and I just start freaking out and my anxiety starts kicking and I, I am just I am just at a loss of words is what to do, my immune system will break down and I'll have a greater chance of getting sick. Is that correct?
1: Right. And the and the effects, you know, past it on the other side when he was talking about the study that was done with the Vietnam vets that had greater levels of, of PTSD, you know, just uh-huh taking the importance of right now what are you focused on what are you filling your mind with right now you know i'm not saying bury your head in a hole and don't ever watch the news but you don't need the news to be on 24 hours a day filling your mind with all the what if possibilities that could come up you know what i mean just Mm -hmm. let's make sure that we're taking care of our mind and our body the right way that we're not focused on things that are bringing us down you know there there's some people that they need to turn the news off completely because they can't handle it. There's some people right. that, you know, it's fine. It's not a big deal. They can watch the news and kind of compartmentalize what's going on and then kind of turn it off and get back to going about their daily life. You know, all these all these negative emotions can bring down our immune system, upset the body's hormone balance. He talked about depleting the chemicals that are needed for happiness, that it accelerates aging, causes cardiovascular health to decline that a a five minute outburst of anger can cause a six hour dip Mm. in our immune system. Like that, the science behind it is rock solid, long-term stress and anxiety and fear is not healthy for us. And so let's do something about it and let's be intentional.
0: Right. So being positive isn't necessarily going to cure, it's not a cure all, but it's going to give you a better chance um, and just have a better outlook in life. And, and it's going to strengthen your immune system. I just think that's bizarre. I think that's awesome.
1: Yeah. To sort of summarize what Tavio was saying, I think number one, reflect. Use this time to assess yourself and where you're at. Number two, don't be average. So don't act average. You're not average. So develop a plan to improve who you are. Thinking about the physical side, the emotional side, the spiritual side. The next step, visualize what you want to look like, what you want to achieve, the person you want to be, who are you going to be at the end of this and say things like I can, I will speak positively to yourself and then just like so many of the other coaches and athletes that we've had on here get 1% better each day. You you don't have to you don't have to fix all of this overnight. Just get 1% better each day. Tavio read through the entire Bible in 3 weeks. What an incredible amount of just discipline and willpower right like I that's difficult for me but you know something that's not difficult leave my bible sitting next to my bed or better yet put it on my bed put it on my pillow and before I go to bed I'm gonna read one verse every night and you know maybe I can't get up and do the same workouts that I was doing but I can get up and do a little bit more than yesterday just continually getting one percent better and to kind of wrap it up The last thing he talked about was that attitude of gratitude and emotionally, spiritually, physically having that gratefulness or that gratitude in your heart is just going to have such a big impact on your mind and your body. And just what a, what a great thing to kind of focus on and think about today.
0: All right. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode, season two, excellent stuff. I I encourage you to reflect on this time of what Javier's had to say. And as always, go to mentaltrainingplan.com podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Give us a review on whatever platform you listen to our podcast. We would greatly appreciate that. Uh, reach out to us on social media at mentalTRplan. Hit us up with a hashtag plan and execute. In the meantime, make your plan and put it to work.